Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's up, It's This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Yo, and I'm frozen! What is up? I love it. (laughs) Say what's up, Jamie. I'll be right back. What's up, guys? All right, why don't you talk to the people? I'll be right back. All right, how's everybody doing today? I know we're coming off a tough game. How are we feeling? I'm here. There I am. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Yes. Who did a better job today? Me, Frozen Me, or Kenneth Murray? Frozen you. <laughs> Thank you. I came back. I showed up eventually. <laughs> I eventually came back. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, here we are. Week 10, Chargers lose. Uh, was not a good day for the Chargers. And uh, we did our little uh, uh, breakdown of this game that was going to happen. And there was something, I don't know if you said it on the podcast or we were just texting back and forth, but you were talking about how this Vikings team was like Jekyll and Hyde. Like they could be good. They could be yep. bad. And today they just kind of were a little bit better than they usually are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cousins probably played one of his best games of the year. Um, the defense for the Vikings was really good pretty much all day. Uh, Kendricks with the huge pick, they were able to pressure uh, Herbert when they needed to and force some incompletions. Um, the the Vikings were just better prepared for this game, I thought, than the Chargers were, and they executed better during the game. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were, I think a lot of it was a lot of missed opportunities and, uh, I guess we should get into some of those. Uh, one of them of course here was as Manny's saying that last drive, they had a chance to really back them up. I don't know if, wasn't it second and 20? It was second and 22. It was, it was first second and 25, and second and 22, third and 20. And there was a second and 17 during that too. And still they ended up being a fourth and two when they got it. Eventually there were a lot of missed opportunities today. Yeah. I mean, the chargers had a couple opportunities to turn the ball over um, one around midfield, a, uh, the interception went right through Tavon Campbell's hands. They had <coughs> another play in the end zone where it seemed like Durham was going to come down with a pick and he just couldn't quite reel it in. There was another touchdown pass to Conklin, I think, that just barely floated over Tillery's hands. It looked like he had a chance to maybe at least break that up and it just barely got over his hands. Uh, they just and that's quite... the same play where Derwin and uh, Gilman ran into each other. Yeah, that's the play where Derwin and Gil ran, Gilman ran into each other, and they got yeah. a free run at uh, at uh, Cousins, and he they just couldn't quite force that bad throw or break that pass up. Of course, getting the ball back with a minute left right before the half and two timeouts, you're thinking they're going to throw that ball deep. They're going to take some shots and try to put some points on the board. They barely move the ball, and... Uh, don't get any points out of that drive. That was really the big, the big difference in the game for me is flipping the field position, getting that, getting that ball back with a minute left and two timeouts and not being able to yes. move the ball, let alone score any points that really, <coughs> that set them behind. Yeah. Yeah. That, and Jamie, by the way, nice shirt you're wearing there, buddy. Thank you. I just caught it. it was behind your mic, but look at that. The lightning round podcast t-shirts coming soon look at that man that looks good but yeah yeah there were a lot of missed opportunities yeah one of the biggest difference in the game was the chargers getting the ball back a minute left before halftime uh they're down by three they're on the 50 yard line andre roberts got a, a good enough return to get them in positive yardage they go three and out they killed all momentum and they just could not capitalize um uh, missed opportunities. You're talking about the uh, missed interceptions. Tavon Campbell goes right through his hands. Uh, Derwin James can't get that interception. Uh, and then there were a lot of drops today. Joshua Palmer dropped a third down pass that went right through his hands. Uh, Mike Williams dro uh, dropped the ball like right at the goal line. Austin Eckler, unchar er uncharacteristic drop right in the middle of the field where he's set up to get a ton of yards and he's got a lot of green in front of him. Jalen Guyton, a bad drop. Uh, we talked about that last drive being set up where there's a second and 17, second and 22, getting it all the way down to fourth and two when they go for it. And also, there were a lot of uh, uh, a different kind of Staley today. He wasn't as aggressive as we've seen him. Uh, there were a couple points where he could have gone for, at least gone for it at some point, and they settled for field goals. There was a fourth and four on the Minnesota 27. He kicked the field goal early on. There was a fourth and two on the Minnesota two. He kicked a field goal. And then right before half, what we were talking about, it's fourth and six. You're on the Minnesota 46. There's 32 seconds left there. I know that you're giving Minnesota a short field, but if you really want to flip that script like you've been trying to do all season long where you believe in your players, you got to put up some more points before halftime so you can take a lead, swing the game a little bit. They don't end up going for it. And the one who ended up going for it on fourth down was Zimmer, who did it to win the game. So that was a little bit different uh, look today, too. 
Minnesota, not very aggressive. And today, stay, uh, they were, and Staley, not aggressive much at all. Yeah, I thought the one that the one that surprised me the most was on the Chargers, I think, second possession, where they had a – it was either their first or second possession. They had a fourth and four in plus territory. I think they were right on the 40-yard line. What's that? That was the second one. The first the one was where possession. Herbert kind of tripped over his feet, and they were third and long. There's just a three and out yeah. on that first drive. That's right. They got the sack yeah. on that on that possession. Yeah. So it was a second yeah. possession where <clears throat> fourth and four from like the Minnesota 40 – and they've got a chance to go down and get some points and, and extend a drive. And instead of going for it, they try to draw them off sides. Um, that surprised me. I thought for sure they'd go for it there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then settling for the field goals surprised me a little bit too. It just hasn't been their MO. But I guess that MO is changing now that they have a kicker they feel like they could trust. A um, little bit more comfortable kicking those field goals. But, yeah, you know, I just thought – in spite of the defense playing pretty well for most of the game. And I know they gave up, you know, they had those first and 20 first and 25 on the final drive. And you're thinking they're going to come away with a stop pretty easily. You know, they have, I think it was third, second and 17. They have, (coughs) they have cook bottled up at the line of scrimmage. Tillery's got him by the ankle and they can't get him on the ground. And he winds up instead of running for two or three yards running for like 10. And that completely changed that possession. Uh, they just couldn't quite make the plays when they needed them. Um, and then I think they just, at the end of the day, they got worn out. Um, I forget what the count was, but I think, um, I think the, the Vikings ran like 70 or 80 plays a day and the chargers ran like 40. The defense was on the field forever. They really yeah. needed the offense to make some more plays, extend some drives and drives and give them breaks. And they just couldn't get they just couldn't get those extended drives. They couldn't they couldn't get into a rhythm on offense. And I think at the end of the day, it really wore the defense out. Yeah, yeah. I think uh time possession, it was almost double in favor of Minnesota going into like the third quarter. It was uh it was very lopsided today. At one point it was like 18 minutes to eight minutes or something like something ridiculous like that. It was yeah. pretty crazy. Um, yeah. 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 It was, they struggled. They didn't seem to have a good game plan. I really thought they'd throw the ball outside more against the Minnesota corners. It seemed like they were really trying to throw the ball between the hashes mm-hmm. against the Minnesota linebackers and their safeties. Uh, they didn't have a whole lot of success doing that. Um, yeah. Just, it seemed like the game plan was off. They were having a hard time getting the ball down the field. A lot of short passes again today. Um, really expected more out of them. Yeah. And so it's about that time where everybody's calling for Joe Lombardi's head. I think, uh, I think we're starting to get there a little bit. Uh, this, uh, kind of, uh, passive play calling. There was a lot of a, uh, bad looks, uh, last week, even though they got it, they got the win, but this is a, Offense that just is not catered to Justin Herbert. I mean, there there are just a few and far between where we saw some like uh, creative RPOs today, which was nice and successful, and then we're back at it again, uh, doing the same old thing. It was a uh, hard day to watch and kind of getting uh, exposed a little bit today. Yeah, it seemed like Minnesota knew what they were going to do. They had people in the right places, and the Chargers just couldn't break their tendencies. Uh, very frustrating. Very very frustrating. And then you've got guys. Dropping third down conversions. There was a, a 
You mentioned Palmer had a drop third down conversion. Cook had one on third down. You've got Mike Williams trying to trap the ball against his body on, on a slant that probably winds up with six if he catches it. Uh, just not not sharp, not prepared, and they got outplayed when it mattered. Yeah, yeah. So um, I when, when do you think – does this get turned around? Do you think that – we're going to see a new system or are we going to see the same old kind of offense? Because I think we're, I know uh, he wasn't great as an offensive coordinator before we were hoping uh, he would learn something from Sean Payton, but we're not seeing that kind of offensive mind that we had hoped. I, it does seem like they're trying to run the offense. They ran with Drew Brees with those short passes, (coughs) <clears throat> as an extension of the running game, it was working early and now it seems like teams are starting to sit on it. So they need to extend those plays. They need to push the ball down the field. We need to see more 10, 15, 20 yard completions, chunk plays to keep defenses honest. I really thought we'd see that this week against this, against a pretty suspect group of corners who have been banged up for Minnesota, but for whatever reason, they decided to stick with the short passing game and it's just not working. So I, a new system. I don't think they're going to change the system mid midway through the season. I would not expect coach Daly to fire Joe Lombardi um, mid season. I just, you know, they're, they're halfway into their first season together. They probably feel like they're still figuring some things out. There are definitely periods where it seems like they have a, a they have a, um, the pulse of the team's identity and they're calling plays the right way. And they're moving the ball up and down the field and scoring points in bunches. You know, we've seen it against the Browns. We saw it last week against the Eagles. Even at times today when they picked up the pace and they started throwing the ball outside the hash marks and pushing the ball down the field a little bit more, looking for chunk plays, they had some success. But every time they had that success, they'd fall right back into the same patterns on the next possession. It's just not consistent. So it it's definitely seems like a coaching issue. They're just not putting Herbert in a position to succeed. And I don't know if it's because they don't trust the right side of the line um, or if they're they're not trusting Herbert to make the reads, but something has to change. They do have to take better advantage of Herbert's arm. You'd really like to see them take better advantage of his legs, whether it's on more naked boots or on the RPOs that work so well today. I mean, those are all opportunities for him to make plays, chunk plays for them relatively easily without having to take a lot of hits. It should It should come easily but it's just not working right now. No, no, it's not working at all. Um, now there's a couple things in here. Let's see. Um, let's see. Okay. So want to talk about Chris Harris. Cause obviously uh, that's a big thing that happened today. We saw early on, we got the big pass deflection on third down on that first drive. There's another time where he ran basically sideline to sideline with Adam Thielen and uh, tackled tackled him for a uh, minimal gain on third down. Kind of forced a field goal there. That was an important down. And then after that, he just absolutely fell off. And the play that, of course, is going to stick out in everybody's mind is that third down play where he's motion. He's on Justin Jefferson in the slot. He's motioning to Gilman to come down. He plays off and then jumps up. And then he kind of plays off of Jefferson, hoping Gilman comes down. He doesn't. Gets the easy first down, and he is jumping up and down, throwing a fit while the play is still going on. And, you know, this whole, like, communication thing, I mean, that was just throwing a fit on the field is bad. But 
this whole communication issue came when when Chris Harris came back and uh, to me, I mean, definitely don't play off of Justin Jefferson. I mean, if you got him, I mean, you can motion to Gilman all you want, but there's nobody else in his area. It didn't make a ton of sense to play off anyway. But all this miscommunication came back when Harris came back on the field, and he's the only one acting up out there. So, I mean, you kind of make the connection of where that's happening. I don't, I don't know what the point is there and why he's got to jump up and down while the play's still going on. That, I mean, none of that made any sense, and it was a real bad look for Harris. Earlier in the week, Daniel Popper wrote an article. He was a, his weekly mailbag se- segment, and somebody asked him a question about Chris Harris. You know, is he washed? Basically, was the question, or can they can he recover? And Popper went to great lengths talking about how Harris is a coach on the field. He's helping. He's been instrumental in the communication on the on defense and getting people lined up properly and making sure people are doing the right things. And at some point, I feel like we're all watching a different game because we weren't having these busted coverages before Chris Harris came back, but we're having them now. And usually it's him throwing a tantrum mid play or after the play. Yeah. Calling out teammates, pointing fingers at teammates. And that is not how a team leader acts. So stop telling me he's a coach on the field. He's, if he's a coach on the field, maybe he should just go to the sidelines because he's not playing well enough to be on the field right now. The communication problems are major issues. Campbell had a rough day today. He's played well yeah. for most of the season, but that 19-yard completion on third and 20, inexcusable. Absolutely inexcusable. You have to play tighter coverage. Yeah, he was you can't so just soft. let him wander 19 yards downfield and get that close to the sticks. Mm-hmm. Um seemed like the safety was late to break on it as well. Lots of issues there, but uh, yeah, Campbell had a rough day. Harris had a rough day. Uh, Having Harris run with Justin Jefferson, not a good, not a good decision. That's not a recipe for success. Uh, You'd think you'd want to put Asante Samuel on him more often than not. He's your best corner at this point. Um, But they've got to figure out the communication and they got to figure out what they're doing with Harris because he's becoming a problem on the field. It seems like he's becoming divisive on the field with all the finger pointing and the tantrums. You can't throw a tantrum mid play play. Didn't work out, come off the field, make it have that conversation off the field. You can't be jumping up and down and just stop playing because you think somebody didn't do the right thing. It's just not a good look. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I mean, the play's still going on. You could talk about it later, at least until he's tackled and down. Make the tackle uh, and <laughs> get yeah, get in there, get in there. I yeah, I did, none of that um, looked good today. Uh, whether whether it was Gilman's fault or not, you can't be jumping up and down mid play. And it's all listen. We don't know what's happening sideline. He could get all fired up and pissed off, but we always see him throwing his arms, uh, pumping his fists, jumping up, finger and down. pointing. Now jumping up and down throwing a tantrum. I mean, he's the only one and I get being fired up and being expressive, man. I mean, awesome. Go for it. But it fixed the communication. Then it's not helping. If that's how kids want to be teached and they need somebody to fire up and yell at them so that it kind of knocks some sense into them. Great. That's awesome. But that is not working. Whatever his style is as a leader, because I mean, he's a veteran in the NFL. I understand. And that's part of the reason why they brought him over. But it's not working. Whatever his teaching style is, the way he's doing it is not working for these corners. So uh, fix that. And also, it just doesn't look good. 
You don't you don't see corners stop mid play to jump up and down and throw a fit because the safety didn't come fast enough. That doesn't make any sense. So and then also let the coaches coach. If you got a big issue, then let the tell tell the coach. Let the coach figure it out and deal with it in the team huddle off uh, on the sideline. Sure thing. Don't stop uh, covering and hop up and down on the hash mark while the receiver that you're supposed to be covering picks up an extra five yards. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we got a question here. In your opinion, would you fire Joe Lombardi and let Shane Day be the OC for the rest of the season at this point? I don't know that Shane Day is necessarily the answer if they're looking to replace yeah. Lombardi. Um, he hasn't had a great deal of success on the other teams he's been on. Uh, I do not think that's the answer. They might need Staley to get more involved in the offensive game planning and force them to open things up a little bit, at least for the rest of the season. I mean, they're not they're not going to fire Lombardi. Uh, Staley and Lombardi are very close personally. It was one of Staley's first hires. He's going to give Lombardi every chance to succeed. And, you know, as frustrating as today was, and they, they have had their issues in three of the last four games now, they've definitely had their issues. Mm -hmm. But they were, I think, a top 10 ranked offense in terms of offensive yards going into the game today. They have shown the ability to score the ball, to score points at will when they need to, for the most part. Um, so I, there has been some success there. We have seen Lombardi building on schemes and building on plays at times during the season. It just needs to be more consistent, and they need to take better advantage of Herbert's arm strength. Got to got to get uh, more intermediate mm -hmm. and deep chunks. Yeah, um, you just have to. There, there's just too much talent there to be throwing two, three, four, five yard passes. Um, I know they're trying to, you know, they're trying to offset the right side of the line. They're trying to extend the running game. They're trying just to get easy pieces, but why not just get, why not get an easy 10, 15, 20 yards instead of an easy three? Yeah. You know, those three yard passes on third and seven, they don't work, man. They haven't worked all season. Yeah. Yeah. And I get, and I get the concern with the right side of the line. I, I really do. But I think for the last two games, the offensive line as a whole has done really, really good. I don't know if they've figured that out, but for me, I feel like this right side of the line has been pretty good. So I'm not too worried about the offensive line right now. And I, you know, you got to take care. You got to take advantage of his arm strength. You got to take advantage of his athleticism. You know, that Justin Herbert can run when they had that RPO working and it was a designed run. That was an easy 10 yards. Easy. Yep. It was an easy first down. It was money, and then we didn't see it again at all the rest of the game. I mean, come on, go to what works. Why? Why keep going away from it when uh, when you got things that are working? And so, why are we going back to those toss plays yeah, that haven't worked what? at all for the last two weeks, and we keep going back to them? Hey, and was that a personal shot at us that they they did a pitch play on that fourth and two to Dalvin Cook? You think that was directed straight at us when we're like these goddamn pitch plays last week on this podcast? It must be. <laughs> <laughs> and then they on fourth and two they pitch it. <laughs> Dalvin Cook gets it. I I absolutely hate 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 that play, but they got it. Dalvin Cook got it. All right, let's see. We got a couple other questions here. Uh, do y'all think the league has caught on to Staley's coaching style? Forty-five games in. They got the tape. Now we are struggling. Um, I think they're struggling because they don't have the players they need to make the system work. Um, and we've talked about this, but the system thrived because they had Aaron Donald in the middle of that line. 
who requires double and triple teams in the middle of the line that made one-on-one matchups for everybody else and everybody else had success. They don't have that right now. Teams are doubling and tripling Bosa outside and they don't have guys who can beat people one-on-one inside. So nobody's making plays. Although we did see, we did see Nuosu start to make plays today. We saw a, a couple oh. flashes from Justin Jones today. There, there have been some flashes. It just hasn't been consistent enough. Mm-hmm. They need, <clears throat> they need to invest real draft capital and real money into the rest of that defensive line. They are hanging Joey Bosa out to dry, and they do not have the depth or the starting talent really to be effective for a long period of time up front. They just don't. It was an issue going into the season. It remains an issue. They did nothing to address it at the deadline. It's just a fact. They just don't have the bodies up front to hold up. They played well. I mean, the defense, I think, at least for my money, and I don't know how you feel about this, Garrett, but I thought the front seven played really well for the majority of the game against the run. They bottled it up pretty well. They held Cook under four yards of carry. Uh, they You didn't really see a whole lot of big gashing run plays against them. Tackling was decent. Um, they played the run well and they were able to generate some pressure on cook. I mean, I'm sorry on cousins, uh, early in the game, even in the third quarter, they were creating some pressure. Um, but they just, they need more. They have bodies on the line right now. They need players period. So I think once they start to address that, things will get better on the back end, but they also have some talent issues on the back end. Harris is an issue. Um, Gilman, I don't really think is a starting NFL safety. He's been okay. They're much better with Adderley back there. Mm -hmm. Uh, They lack really speed on the outside. Um, When Derwin's playing up in the box, they don't have playmakers on the back end to speak of. They're still building this thing. They're, They're trying to run this system with maybe a third of what they need talent wise at best. And I think they're going to continue to build that out. And hopefully as some of the things that Staley and Telesco talk about during the season in terms of certain players start to play out, Staley will get more and more say in terms of what's happening on the roster and they will be able to put these things together, but they're not executing the system, the scheme very well right now on offense or on defense. And I don't know that it's necessarily a Staley coaching style issue as much as it is a personnel issue and they're just they're going through some growing pains. Yeah, yeah. Defensively, I, I agree. I think, um, uh, and we've talked about how they just don't have the personnel. But um, offensively, there should be no problem. And I know that the right side of the line could be a, a problem with Schofield and Norton. But again, I, I think the last two games they've actually played pretty good as a solid unit across that line. You cannot have Justin Herbert handicapped like he is right now. If you have, if you look at what your defense is giving up on the ground, how many points they're giving up, you have got to cut him loose. You've got to be aggressive. And we're just not seeing it. I mean, you know, it's, it's fine if Minnesota puts up 20, 27, but Justin Herbert should absolutely be putting up 30 some odd points. I mean, he is too good to be hampered in this offense right now. They've got too much talent on the outside. They've got, uh, depth in that tight end right now. You've got Austin Eckler. I mean, there are too many brand name players and to see how good they were early on and then go completely away from all that is just a problem. So 
I don't know if it is so much a they figured it out and it's uh, Staley's coaching issue. I just think there's some things that are hampering them right now. I think defensively, uh, they're thin on the uh, outsides now and on the back end without Nas today. But then you knew they were going to give up a ton of yard. They were going to relinquish everything on the ground to kind of uh, keep the top on the defense. And with not, without Nas there, you saw Justin Jefferson able to break out. And then once you're giving it the ball, the deep ball up, you know, and you're you can they did a pretty good stop at the run today. I agree with that. But you know, if they're giving up big chunk plays and they're going away from what they do best, and so you know, offensively, I think they're being hampered by the calls right now. Uh, they're too talented of an offense, and they have too good of a quarterback to be playing the way they are right now. Because I mean, we know how good Justin Herbert is. We saw it last year, and we saw it early on this year. It's not a Justin Herbert problem. It's an offensive play calling issue. We know that. So no, I don't think it's so much a they figured it out thing. I just think, I think maybe growing pains is a good way to put it. I think they're kind of going, you know, throughout a season, teams are going to go through lulls and uh, there's going to be ups and downs. And right now they just kind of are on the downswing. Yeah. You know, I think, I think they still have some issues outside offensively speaking. I mean, Keenan is obviously great. There's no knocking him. Um, but I think teams are adjusting to Mike Williams, to be honest with you. I think you're talking about a guy who still is not a great route runner. The hands still are not very consistent. And I think it's easy to take him away if you press him and make him beat you with his route running. Um, he just, it took teams a few weeks to adjust to the way that Chargers were using him. And now we're back into the deep ball post slant routine with him because those are the only routes he can run. So um, he is not the difference making playmaker that he looked like early in the season. They were getting by on a lot of blown coverages. They were getting by on a lot of soft coverages um, where they were audibly and getting the ball out quickly. Teams are just taking that away. They're pressing him more. They're putting a man over the top, taking that away. And you're seeing, you know, teams with good safety play, uh, teams with some decent corner play who are able to remain disciplined and not bite on big fakes. And they're just not, they're not having the busted coverage issues that the Browns had. Uh, that some other teams have had. So I just, I don't think Mike, I don't know. You guys know how I feel about Mike. I, <laughs> I've been pretty vocal about that. He, he's got off to a great start this year. He's being very productive. They were using him differently, but he's just not the wide receiver that they need him to be um, in that role. I would really, really, really love uh, to see more of Keenan in that next role. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw a quick timing route. Uh, I think they were in the red zone on a third down to Mike Williams on a, I think it was a third and two. It looked really good. I think we, we, I know, I know they're pressing him a lot more this year or now as uh, the season's gone on, but I do think there hasn't been a lot of that quick timing routes, which has kind of helped Mike Williams. Uh, we, we've been vocal about his uh, route running and all that, but the timing routes worked early on. And I think as that big X, if you can interchange both Mike and Keenan, I think it was working uh, the first couple of weeks of the season. And we're not seeing so much of that so much now. And uh, kind of going back to that like downfield threat type of role, which I, I just, I don't like at all. But while we're talking about wide receivers, Victor has a question about Jalen Guyton. Why is Guyton still in the lineup? He had that big drop on a first down catch. 
why not let Palmer or even Roberts take his snaps? Good question, because I agree. Yeah, uh, I, even though, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was go just going to say, I think we all agree. Um, yeah. I haven't seen the snap counts for today yet, but I do know that Guyton's snap counts and Palmer's snap counts were almost dead even last week. I think Guyton had 25 and Palmer had 21, and they were actually designing plays for Palmer last week. And we saw yeah. more throws to him this week than we did last week. So I think that role for Palmer is starting to grow. It's starting to expand, <clears throat> which they need because they need a third receiver. Um, even when Palmer gets or when uh, Guyton gets open, he cannot catch. That guy has somebody said it in the chat. He's got bricks for hands. Um, he's just not good. He was never very good. I know he caught some deep passes last year, but he's a straight line speed guy. He does not run routes very well. I really wish they had kept. Um, Tyron Johnson. Tyron Johnson over Guyton, just be, just for the route running alone. Yeah, yeah. So I am I'm out on Guyton. I you know I know he's a he's a cool guy, and when they were doing the uh, mic'd up, he seemed like a really uh, cool dude to watch on the field, and uh, he's got a great personality. But I mean, he's just he's not a great wide receiver. He's not a wide receiver three. Um, they've been kind of interchanging Palmer and Guyton, but you're seeing a lot more snaps now for Palmer than Guyton. Um, and we'll probably by the end of the year see a whole hell of a lot more for Palmer than Guyton. But there's just been some weird miscommunication with um, Palmer and Herbie early on this year. There's a fourth down call where uh, Palmer didn't get around quick enough. This third down drop, there was kind of just this timing issue. They haven't quite worked it out, but there's been some some plays designed from last week. Today, uh, they ended up running the exact same play that they ran for Jaylee Guyton that he dropped. They ran it for Palmer. It was successful. So uh, we see who's who's better suited there as wide receiver three. And yeah, you know, we talked about it last week. Uh, Roberts gives you the threat of at least having some speed on the field. They gave him an end around last week, which uh, was a positive gainer. So that's always good. So yeah, I mean, I, getting Roberts on the field isn't a bad idea. I mean, they need speed as on that wide receiver group, bad. And we've talked about that too. But getting getting Roberts in, over Guyton is a, a very good idea. And I and I like that kind of wrinkle. You got a couple snaps last week. I'd like to see him get a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Palmer's got better hands. He's much better at the catch point in terms of being strong um, on uh, challenged or contested balls. And he's a better route runner than Guyton. So yeah. it just makes sense to start working him in more and more. And I think we'll see more of that. I think that was something they talked about and worked on during the bye week. And we're starting to see it evolve in the in the game plan so I th i'm sure we'll see more of that yeah all right so michael wants to talk about joshua kelly who almost got herbie killed today which is true uh there was uh twice actually uh, almost twice uh one time he uh misdiagnosed the blitz pickup and nick vigil's blitzing and you've got a center guard combo and nick vigil and then joshua kelly said hey i could lend a hand on a triple team here and let Bynum run free, have a free shot at Herbert for the sack. Which You're saying was they dumb. didn't need a third blocker on that point. They didn't no. No. Well, maybe, definitely not Joshua Kelly. No, <laughs> no. Nobody needed a, a third blocker on Nick Vigil. No. Nobody needed Nick Vigil was a charger. We know Nick Vigil. Not a guy you need more than two guys on. Never, ever, ever. And Joshua Kelly was here last year. He should have known that. So uh, terrible. Missed the blitz pickup. Bynum runs free. Sacks Herbert. Another one was a uh, 
hit on Herbert, which ended up being an incompletion again, uh, blocked the wrong guy, let somebody run free. Uh, you know, listen, we saw Roundtree get a touchdown and do an insane, energetic touchdown dance, which was the highlight of the game for me. And then we didn't really get snaps for him anymore. And we saw some more Joshua Kelly. I mean, why get cute and give your RB3 in there, especially on a, th- a very important third down blitz pickup? Yeah, he shouldn't be on Bad the field idea. at all. Hopefully Justin Jackson gets back soon because Kelly should be inactive every week. If they're going to have him on the roster, he should be inactive. He should not be on the field. You always take the inside man. Yeah. Always take the inside man. And he missed he missed Bynum badly and got, got Herbie blasted. Not a good thing. And that pass protection has been an issue with him. It was a big issue all through preseason. It continues to be an issue during the regular season. Uh, if you're going to have somebody out there to pass protect, it should be Eckler at this point. I'd even take Roundtree. But Kelly has not proven himself to be reliable enough in pass protection to have him out there on third down. Yeah, so do you think Palmer should be wide receiver three because, like you said, Guyton has bricks for hands, like you mentioned? Yes. Teddy Ruxpin, by the way, good name. Yes, he should. That was an easy one. Uh, I like easy questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Let's see. Y'all called it. Everyone kept saying, sign Mike Williams, and y'all kept saying he's not worth it. He's not worth what he's asking for. Would you? Are you saying we're right, Victor? Surprise, surprise. Uh, what do y'all think about the drops this year? Uh, we talked about this on a past after hours, but it just seems like Justin Herbert's got a little extra mustard on all these balls coming, and uh, these some sometimes these wide receivers just aren't ready for it. Yeah, I don't know if it's a pressure thing where he's under pressure and he's trying to get rid of it so quickly and he's just putting too much mustard on it, but especially on some of these underneath routes, we saw Eckler drop a a Texas route where it looked like if he caught it, he was going to run all the way to the end zone and he dropped, he dropped it cause it had a little bit too much mustard on it. Um, Mike dropped that slant. I don't think that was a mustard issue. I think that was a hands issue. Um, it just keeps popping up. Even Keenan dropping. A that's a catch last. issue, by the way, that's not even, I mean, that's a, that's a technique hey, man, issue. Always out, not in, you know? Yeah. Never have your hand, back of your hands to the quarterback is a thing you learn in peewee football. But go ahead. We don't catch a slant. What was it? He was trying to trap it against yeah. his body. Mm-hmm. So here, instead of mm-hmm. catch it out in front and run with it. That's peewee football, my guy. We all know that. But go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's been an issue. They've had a lot of third down drops that have just killed them and forced some of those fourth down um, tries. And uh, we saw it again today in the red zone, costing them points. You'd think they'd clean it up with some of the talent they have. Um, You would like to see Herbert learn to take some mustard off the ball a little bit, throw with a little bit more touch in certain situations. I think that's certainly something he can improve on. He's shown it at times this year, um, but it's been, you know, kind of hot and cold. So you'd like to see that that, uh, growth from him uh, during the course of the season. Um, but if he's hitting guys in their hands, they got to be able to catch it. Oh, every time. That's the rule. If it hits your hands, you got to catch it. All right. So, question here If you're GM, Tom Telesco, what are you drafting in the first three picks? You cannot cheat and say defensive line three times. So, right now, if the season ended and you're drafting, 
forget about free agency. What are, what are the top three needs for you? If I'm the GM or if I'm Tom Telesco? You're well, you're definitely not Tom. No, be you. Be me. Because okay. we know Tom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just wanted to be clear. Um, yeah. I would say you need a defensive tackle. You got to get a right in tackle. The, in the first round? He just asked. Give me, give me round one. What are your first three picks? But give me in round. What round one? What's the biggest need? Is it defensive tackle? I'm going to go defensive tackle in the first round. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they will more than likely be picking somewhere near the middle of the first round, maybe somewhere 30s? in the 30s. Oh, in the 20. Okay. Go 16 ahead. to 24 range, probably. Oh, boy. And, um, oh, boy. I would take a defensive tackle in the first round. Second round. Uh-huh. I'd be looking at right tackle or edge and probably take mm-hmm. whatever I don't get in the second round and the third round. So the first three picks need to be defensive tackle at based on the roster right now before free agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defensive tackle, edge, and right tackle. And you could even yeah. make an argument for, for right guard. Yeah. Yeah, so defensive tackle, right tackle are the top two for sure. Um, and we're not including free agency. And I was gonna say, I was gonna say corner in the third round. You could make that argument. Ed, yeah, I think but you could Ed also make an argument too. for, I mean, for wide receiver too. Uh, once they once they let Mike walk. Yes, Ed, there you go. At there least five go. positions they need to fill with uh-huh. those three picks. Yeah, and they're not going to be able to do it, so they're going to have to get somebody in free agency. So good, good question, Victor. Now here's a here's a goofy one. Is Travis Benjamin better than Guyton? I know that's not what he's asking, but they both suck. <laughs> so who's not worse? Is that the question? Who's who's less shitty? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think this game's different with Mike uh, Michael Davis out there? Yeah, so I you think take probably on Campbell. Yeah, I do too. too. I, do too. I yeah, I I think he's a better player than Campbell, and he gives mm-hmm. with his size and his range. I think he gives him a better opportunity to take away some of those contested catches from from Justin Jefferson. So yeah, I, I think it's a I think it's a different game. I do I do want to say, and this isn't a cop out, but I do think uh, Tavon Campbell didn't have a good day today. But I do think you have to when you rewatch it because just watching it live, Justin Jefferson made some amazing plays he did he made some amazing catches on the sideline stupid good so sometimes you just get beat and just and Tavon Campbell a few times had tight coverage and Justin Jefferson just made a good catch but he had so many catches you can give him a few but uh, Tavon Campbell made he challenged a few of them but yeah he didn't he didn't have a great day today and I do think with Michael Davis in there it would be a different game I mean there were I just can't believe they only put up 20 points today. That with the injured defense on uh, in Minnesota, without Patrick Peterson, uh, Harrison Smith, all those guys on the defensive line, Michael Pierce, and everybody else, I just can't believe they didn't put up more points. I just I thought they'd be a lot more aggressive, and they put up a 30 plus points today. And they Me too. Do it. Me too. I yeah. didn't think there's any way that depleted defense is going to be able to stop them. And their corners are terrible. So bad. So bad, man. And they just, they didn't, they weren't aggressive enough today. Uh, chiming in from North Carolina, Billy, what's up, man? I don't know if you're new here. You look new, but uh, good to see you. Thanks for watching in North Carolina. 
What do you think about the numbers on the helmets here from Blazing Bolts? Uh, do you do you hate it? I don't care. Okay. Yeah, I, me neither. They're fine. Hey, I think Victor said something really important there. Can you put that up? I just want to make sure everybody saw it. Where, sh- I'm sure uh, you know which one I'm talking about. That one. Yes. Yes, you're right. <laughs> well, you're always right. I even remember how you all said Bosa was the right pick, and everyone was pissed because they wanted Ramsey. Hey, guys. We were right about Bosa. Hey, can I just can I just add? I just want to throw this out here. So we were right about Bosa. Everybody either wanted DeForest Buckner or Jalen Ramsey. Because let's just let's relive the heyday, right? So everybody wanted those, and Bosa was like number three. Because basically, Bosa went against college right tackles. So his numbers were inflated going into the draft process. That was the argument. The that was the huge knock. The right? other knock was that he wasn't a good enough athlete to win on the yeah, edge. Yeah, and and he didn't have enough, like, he he loafed too much. Do you remember that whole thing? Well, he was lazy. Yeah. Okay, so he was lazy. Now, <laughs> hey, just a little closer. <laughs> Is Joey Bosa the best Chargers edge player in Chargers history? If you had to pick two edge players from the Chargers, is Joey Bosa one of them? Jamie? Chargers history. Chargers edge history? Players. Edge players. I would say, at least in my lifetime, him uh-huh. and Leslie O'Neill. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, I just want to I just want to bring that up. And I loved it how you that, got all up close on that. It like, wasn't that. Well, I wanted everybody let me, to Let me get whisper a good in look. your ear. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it's not that we were just right. And we said he was good. Good, good. It's not that just we were right about it and he became the better player. It's that he is maybe going to finish his career as the best Chargers edge player in history. He was that good. He might be a Charger Hall of Famer, if not an NFL Hall of Famer. So let's just <coughs> well, I'll get off that, but no, MK don't, Adams. Keep going, keep going. Oh, keep going. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Inglewood, what's up? MK Adams 99, what's up? What the hell was going on with the penalties today? Somebody makes sense of that Chris Rumpf taunting penalty because I can't make it make sense. Justin Jefferson made a catch on the sideline, threw the ball to an opposing player on the bench, Keenan Allen, and the announcers are going, look at how cute this is. The young rookie passing it on to the veteran. That is a taunting penalty five years ago. Everybody was saying you cannot throw the ball at another player. That is taunting way before that whole emphasis on the rule this year. And then Austin Eckler grabs a prop out of the stadium, plays guitar on it, and it's nothing. But Chris Rumpf, a little shove to the head or whatever he was doing, was a taunting penalty? What the hell happened all he, today? All I saw him do was say something to somebody. <laughs> You can say something, but you're not allowed to motion to him or go to the other sideline or whatever that Cassius Marsh stupid thing well, was. He did a. They got him for the wheel kick, didn't they? Or was it him going towards the sideline? I think he was towards the Charger sideline, so I don't think it was going towards the sideline. Oh no, I'm talking about Cassius Marsh on my. Oh, 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 oh. it was towards. It was because he motioned to the uh, other oh, team yeah. sideline. But yeah, so Justin flips the ball to Keenan. There's another play where he makes a catch and picks up an extra five yards with five chargers hanging on him, and he gets up and does the double flex. Mm-hmm. Um, Without a helmet on, by it, the way. It just shows you. Helmetless flex. Yep. 
it just shows you that's a subjective penalty and it's bullshit. They can call it whenever they feel like it. And if they don't feel like it, it's like it never happened. <laughs> All right. Another great show, guys, from Maggie uh, Manny Mata. Appreciate it. I don't understand. And then it was like they had to sit there and convey, like sit there and talk about penalties for so long today. There were two instances where I'm sitting there going, what are we doing anymore? None of them were that important. And I get you got to talk about it when there's important penalties on the line and everything and you want to get it right. Totally understand that. But what were they doing today? Everything took too long and there were way too many penalties on both sides. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I was surprised, though, they actually called a penalty in the red zone against the Vikings on a play that was exactly like five plays they had against Philly last week that weren't called. So I guess, you know, you can call penalties against Chargers opponents. That That is allowed. I just wasn't sure after last week. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. And you know, I I totally get getting together and trying to trying to get it right. And be, that's I mean, that's even like in real life. Like when somebody starts a new job and they're like, I'm new here and I, I I'm not sure where something is or something. I'm like, dude, go ask the manager. I don't care. You know how some people get pissed at that? That's mm -hmm. like just get it right. Be understanding. It's fine. We we all don't know. That's fine. Go talk, refs. Go go figure it out. But why are we doing it multiple times? And why are we just throwing flags at everything today? It's not consistent enough. No, it's not. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, random question. But do you all remember Legadunane? Hey, man, of course we do. We do. And actually, yeah. funny. it's funny he's bringing him up because I, we took our kids to Disneyland for Gracie's birthday last month. And uh -huh. on the way back, we passed Legadunane in his car. And I know it was him because the license plate said Nane. You're so, kidding. Nope. Oh, wow. What a cool thing. Oh, man. That's cool. And of course we remember Lagadoon NA. Is he better than Jalen Guyton? Yes. Yeah. I just remember that clutch touchdown pass he caught. And uh, that's all I think about him now. So, yeah. Has Jalen Guyton made a clutch last-minute touchdown catch? I don't think so. No. I don't think he's made no. any clutch catches. No. All right. Uh, how would you guys grade Staley now or Lombardi? I was at SoFi today and it was a pretty ugly game. What's up, Matt? I don't know if you're new here. What's up? Uh, if I don't recognize your name, I'm just going to assume everybody's new and I'm glad you're here. Um, and I'm glad you went to the game and I'm sorry it was so ugly. Uh, I, I would definitely start questioning Lombardi, uh, not so much Staley, but what are the, what are the grades right now? 10 games into the season for Brandon Staley and Joe Lombardi letter grades. Letter grades, um, yep. 10 games in, I would say Staley is, I'll give him a B. Okay. I think he's done a lot of good things. I think going for it on fourth down has been a huge part of their success. Uh, I do think that they have done some good things with Justin Herbert. Uh, we've seen him put players like Drew Tranquil and Kaiser White in a position to succeed and they're, they're thriving for it. Um, can you believe this coaching staff before him wouldn't even put him on the field? I mean, we can believe it because look at what Anthony Lynn's doing in Detroit. Yeah, they're terrible coaches, but unbelievable. Yeah, so I would say Staley's a B, and you know he fixed the leaky protection on the kicks, on the PATs and the field goals uh, over the bye week. 
he was able to address the kicking situation. He was able to address the kick and punt return situation. Mm -hmm. So there have been a lot of positives. I would say the insistence on encouraging opposing teams to run when you know you can't stop the run is something that I would like them to adjust. Uh, I would also like to see Staley be more uh, forceful in making Lombardi push the ball down the field a little bit more. And I'm not talking about 60-yard touchdown passes. I'm talking about taking a better advantage of those 15 to 20-yard passes, getting chunk plays in the middle of the field and outside. Um, so I think there are things he can clean up. Um, you know, they were good at limiting explosive plays early in the season. They had a, they've had a pretty bad three or four week run uh, with that lately. Um, but <clears throat> I think overall things are headed in a pretty solid direction. And again, it's year one, it's year one. They don't have great personnel in some of the most important positions on the field, particularly on defense. And I think it's still a, they're still developing things. So B for Staley, I would say Lombardi, man, you know, he's done some really good things and they've had some really big, I mean, that Browns game was one of the most exciting games they've played in the last 10 years. And he was right in the middle of that with his play calls. And Mm -hmm. we've seen him do some good things with Mike. We've seen him make an effort to get uh, Keenan more involved He's done a great job of fi- scheming up ways to get the tight ends involved. But it just seems like there are times where he just can't find a rhythm. They can't get Justin going early. And if they don't get Justin early going early, they don't get him going. So for that reason, I would say I would say Lombardi's somewhere in the CC minus range just because he hasn't been consistent enough with the talent that he has to work with. All right. So yes, I think, uh, I think Staley is in the B range for sure. I think he's definitely turned this team around and I think he's got the best out of his players. And there's a lot of different aspects in which we thought the team was going to be bad. And Staley has with his aggressive nature hit a lot of that and he's done very well. So a B for me for Brandon Staley, Joe Lombardi is a C minus for me. I think when you have a, a quarterback in a guy like Justin Herbert, you just cannot fall behind in games. You cannot uh, sit back and and go to go away from what works. I think, like you said, uh, what he did with Mike Williams early on was amazing. Uh, getting Keenan Allen involved, I love, love, love what they've done with Stephen Anderson, Donald Parham, with Jared Cook at times. I love what they've done with these tight ends. I don't think they've done enough with Dawson Eckler, but when you have guys like the you know, when you have this talent like you do up front with Justin Herbert at the helm, I really, really think you got to do better than what they've done. So he's got a passing grade because they got a winning record right now, but it's a C minus for me. Yeah, it's just, it's really weird. You know, they're, they found ways early in the season to get Mike involved. Now they're finding ways to get Keenan involved. You know, we talked about it. They've been really, really good with the exception of this week, getting the tight ends involved all three of them, Um, you know, they found ways to get people involved, but they can't seem to figure out the right way to use Eckler. Um, They're not really maximizing, maximizing Herbert's athletic ability or his arm talent. The inability to find ways to get Mike the ball. Part of that's on Mike. I think part of that's on Lombardi. It's just not, it's just not consistent enough. Um, yeah. And it just seems like they're having a hard time figuring out what they want their identity to be. 
All right. So we're going to just, uh, I'm going to catch up on these questions here and then we'll uh, get out of here. Roxanne Sanchez, you seem new. I don't recognize your name. What's up? Great show. Do you think they tightened up the offensive play calls after the early interception? Uh, a little bit. Maybe they had a nice Maybe touchdown a drive before half after that interception. They had the really nice touchdown drive to start the second half. So there are definitely flashes. They, they showed they could move the ball, Yeah, but they just didn't stick with anything that worked long enough to, yeah. to, to be efficient for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. And they were able to get pressure later on too. Minnesota was. So I, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I don't, I don't think that maybe a little bit, but not enough to uh, disrupt them being able to win this game. Uh, Tom wavy here. When are you going to start questioning Staley's inability to adjust his two deep quarters philosophy today? They did not have Nas. So I'm not totally out on this quarters philosophy. I think the way they've done it, keeping the top on the defense, making sure that you don't give up any big plays, take away all the big plays, give up the stuff on the ground. I, I think it's something that could work. I wish they had more talent up front. And by the way, let me just add this, and I'll get close here. If Brandon Staley picks up Andrew Billings, who just got cut by the Browns, boy, would that change this run defense. So, And his grade would go up for me. He'd be a B+. Plus. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm not out on this uh, <laughs> uh, two-deep-quarters philosophy. Are you? Um, yes and no. I'm out okay. on it because they don't have the personnel to run it and they're encouraging teams to attack the biggest weakness on the defense. And to be fair, this is something we've been questioning for three or four weeks now, if not longer. I know we brought it up after the Baltimore game, uh, brought it up after the Patriots game, Browns game for sure. If you know you don't do something well, why would you encourage the opposition to attack it? So, and it's not all on Staley because they don't have the personnel to run it. And I think that requires an adjustment this season to realize, Hey, this is what we want to do. This is what we're building towards, but we're not in a position to do it effectively right now. So we need to show more eight man boxes, do what we can to discourage the run and force people to beat us over the top. But they also need a healthy secondary to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I don't, I don't think we're, I don't want to backpedal here. No, I, I'm still a believer in it. I understand what you're saying, but I think um, if you're limiting these deep plays like they gave up today to Justin Jefferson to give up something on the ground, uh, probably a lot, definitely a lot, um, I'm okay with it and I understand it. So I, I get because he's saying here, he goes on to say teams are running it down the charges throat and we are daring them to do it. I just don't get the same approach week after week. I get what you're saying, Tom. I get it. Jamie agrees with you. I just, I'm not, I just want to say I'm not out on it yet. I, I, I get, we got to start questioning it because it's not working at some point, but I think when they have the talent to do it, when Nas is back, I think they'll be okay. And they pick up Andre Billings, wink, wink. Uh, I think they might have a better way of doing it. Better chance of I, running it. Even if they pick up Billings when they get Nas back, I'm not sure they still have the personnel up front to be able to, get away with encouraging that as consistently as they are. I think it's something they can build towards something they are building toward. I just think with the personnel they have up front, it's really a challenge to continue to dare people to run on you. It just, it isn't working. 
do you how do you believe about uh how do you believe do you believe the whole like the chargers are going to go all in this offseason because that's kind of a the rumor floating around twitter do you think this is the year the chargers go all in in free agency i mean draft, define all, all in well, they're gonna like spend the bank get some marquee players they always spend money they, they have a reputation but you know what i mean but they never go after like the big name free agents it's always the second tier guys that's been Telesco's kind of MO. I mean, they, I don't know. I mean, they, they just threw a bunch of money at Corey Lindsley. They threw a bunch yep. of money at Brian Bulaga last offseason, two offseasons ago now. Um, I think they're always trying to make those moves. They just haven't worked the way they think they're going to work. So that's a scouting issue. Are they finding players that fit in the scheme the way they think they do? I don't think they have thus far. You know, they tried to spend money on a somebody to take the top off the defense and Travis Benjamin. That didn't work. They've tried to spend money on offensive line time after time after time. It hasn't worked. So try to get Jacoby Jones as a returner to fix special teams. Oh God. Didn't work. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm sure they're going to throw money at it and I'm sure they're going to try to uh -huh. fix it. I'm sure they're telling themselves they're going to go all in. Are they going to make the right decisions? Who knows, but I'm sure they're going to try to, they're going to try to beef this roster up in year two. Are the Chargers making the playoffs? I think they've got a shot to sneak in as a wild card, maybe nine and eight, ten and seven, kind of a thing. Um, uh -huh. I don't, I'm not sure they're going to win the division. I just don't think the defense is good enough and the offense isn't consistent enough. And special teams okay. are still bad, by the way. Yeah. Garrett's having a good time. That is true. I, I, you know what? The Chargers lost and I'm still having a good time. How, are you having a good time, Jamie? Oh, yeah. Before we get having out of here? A blast. Good. I know. We if I can get on here and talk some shit, I'm I'm happy. So <laughs> thanks everybody for joining us for after hours. You see, I'm at Gary Sisty. Jamie's at out uh at lightning underscore round. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Uh, a couple of you asking about the donation link. I put it in the comments. Uh if you want if you want to do that. Uh, as you can see on Jamie's shirt, we'll be doing a Patreon soon with those. Dope lightning round podcast tees, tees, which looks so good. Dope. They're good. And uh, and then, of course, we'll have some exclusive content there, too. But thanks for joining us after a loss. Uh, hopefully, the Chargers turn around next week, and we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.